0: Wonderful. What a privilege that we can get together. Uh, I love this opportunity to be able to share this morning. Before I do, uh, Mary and I need a hand just moving some furniture. If anyone who is under 40 (laughs) has any free time this afternoon, about a half an hour, it's not a whole lot. We're not moving house. Let all the old folks off. (laughs) Let's pray as we get into the word. Lord, thank you that you've spoken to us by your word and you're speaking to us by your spirit. We want to know what you've said and what you're saying. Lord, so much more than just the word being a document from the past, we realize that your spirit that breathes life and that your word is living and active. That Holy Spirit, you bring understanding, but you speak to us today. Thank you for the things that's already been shared, the things that you've said. We open our hearts and we say, speak to us again in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary, would you help me? Would you just take that so it doesn't get in my way? I would help you. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Since it's still the beginning of the year, I haven't had a chance to greet you officially. Normally, I would describe myself as a teacher more than a preacher. But I want to give you notice. I want to preach today. And so I would say if you have a seatbelt, put it on. But you don't, so just hold on to the person next to you. I'm aware, I had actually prepared something else for today and I felt God make adjustment uh, this week. So I'll get to what I prepared in a couple weeks. But I was aware as we were away the last few weeks that with transition gonna be taking place and with us eventually relocating that I have a limited number of opportunities to share with you, so I always, I always feel a weight anytime I share. But I feel more that I need to hear God. And so, what I'd like to do is I'd like to speak to the younger people today. Y'all going? Who's that? <laughs> Since I'm 120 years old, anyone who's still breathing can be considered younger. No, seriously, you're all welcome to listen in, but I really have a sense of something of God's heart. We've been around long enough that I was part of the Jesus movement that took place in the 1970s. And I realized that this year, 2024, is 50 years since that the impact of that started a couple years earlier, but it really had a great impact in 1974. Impacted my life. And so I wanna share with that in mind, I'm gonna share a couple of scriptures that have had a huge impact on my life. Ones that we keep coming back to. And so I'm just gonna preach my favorite scriptures today. So uh, just put up with it. 1 Corinthians chapter six. Verse 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Be great if it stopped there, but it says this, and you are not your own. You have been bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Repeatedly in our life, we've come back to God speaking to us. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And then Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. All of Philippians, but these two especially. And what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ or for the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. This is in keeping with the word that Steve shared about an impact that you can't go wrong if you choose to surrender your life to Jesus. These two scriptures probably have, have had more impact on my life than just about anything, though I love the whole Bible, as you know. Every time I get up to preach, I say this is my favorite scripture because the Bible is my favorite, but these two have had probably the most impact. But I wanna give you some context. I wanna tell you some stories that aren't necessarily about Mary and I, but about the context of God speaking to us about our lives, 50 years, since the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, 50 years since God called us to serve him. It's been a delight and a privilege, but let me take you on some of that journey. First story is a story of some young men who had determined to take the gospel of Jesus to a tribe in the Amazon jungle of Ecuador, Aka tribe, after years of preparation, they went Then a light plane, landed on a sandbar in the middle of a river and contacted a tribe of Indians. That was January 8, 1956, 68 years ago, this last Monday. As they did that, all five of them were killed by the Indians that they had come to help. Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCauley, Peter Fleming, and Roger Euderian. Those were names that I grew up with. People who had committed their lives. Jim Elliott had written prior to this happening, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. After they had been killed... Someone told this pastor that he had died Jim had died in the Amazon, he said, "Jim Elliot didn't die in the jungles of the Amazon." He died years ago at the altar at our church. What's amazing is that two years after this, Jim's wife Elizabeth Elliot, and their th- almost three-year-old daughter, went back to that tribe of Indians in Ecuador, in the Amazon jungles, along with Nate Saint's wife, Rachel Saint, tribe was amazed that they could forgive and love. And they led almost the whole tribe to Jesus. Elizabeth Elliot, wrote all of this in a book called Through Gates of Splendor. If you haven't read it, let me encourage you. It's a good one. But it had an impact on me, on us. When Mary and I were in university, we attended a missions conference called Urbana 76. Yes, we were in university in 1976. We are that old. Uh, It was five days in December of 76, ending at uh, New Year's Eve, 17,000 students gathered for a conference that had a stated uh, purpose and declaration. And that was, the theme was Declare His Glory Among the Nations. Elizabeth Elliot spoke at that conference on the will of God and trusting him. But the biggest impact on me was another speaker, a lady whose name was Helen Rosevere. <coughs> Helen Rosevere was a WEC missionary, which is interesting that we have a worldview as part of WEC right here. A WEC medical missionary from 1953 to 1973. She started a hospital in the Congo. But during the Congolese Civil War in 1964, she was held as a prisoner by the rebels and in, for a five-month period, and in that time, was beaten and repeatedly raped. Her message, well, not only that, but her friend and colleague was killed. Her message at that conference was the privilege of serving Jesus. Far outweighs the cost. After all that she had gone through, that had an impact on me. How is it possible for people to have this dedication? One other thing at the same time had an impact I was kind of thinking about missions and preparing for missions and God spoke to me one day and I felt he said if you're not willing to serve me anywhere you're not actually serving me anywhere. Let me say that again. If you're not willing to serve me anywhere you're not actually serving me anywhere. What he was dealing with was something in my heart that said, God, I'll serve you, but within these parameters. It's got to be this place or this time or this type of lifestyle or something. There was something I was looking forward to, what I felt was good, and God said, no, your purpose is actually more about you than it is about me. I always wanted God to call me to Hawaii. Hawaii. Hasn't happened yet. But here's the question. How is this kind of dedication possible? How can people be willing to lay down their lives? And that was my question as a young man. I realized it wasn't from incredible self-discipline. There was something more. And what I realized in this is that there was a focus on Jesus and an increasing love for him that made the cost so much inferior to the privilege. Too many people get focused on the, cross, on the cost. But when we fall in love with Jesus, everything else is secondary. See, I always read, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as a command. And I didn't realize it's a byproduct of just being in love with Jesus. When we're in love with him, there is no cost. Everything becomes secondary. The things that we can get focused on, my comfort, my lifestyle, my reputation, my success, my future, my security, all those things can become primary in our focus if we get our eyes off of Jesus. Someone once said, as we get older, it's easier to want to maintain the status quo, the comfort and security rather than be willing to continue to lay down our life for the king. That's why I'm speaking to you young people. Hopefully you haven't got there yet. Again, everyone who's uh, under 120 is young. I want to join with what Steve said earlier. Our testimony, Mary and I, we can tell you the privilege of serving Jesus has far outweighed the cost. We often didn't know what was ahead as we simply moved in obedience to him. We didn't know coming here that we would love it here and love you, be blessed with relationships and friendships and family. We didn't know that. God did. But we didn't. For us, it was just a step of faith and obedience. The privilege has far outweighed the cost. I wanna say this to you, I've been reminded the last couple of weeks. God's speaking to me. And what he says is, am I still not my own? Or have I said, no, no, this part I wanna hang on to? I wanna ask you, are you your own? Or have you been bought with a price? He said to me, "Do do I still love him enough to obey even when it hurts? Someone said, most pastors struggle to get established and they get to a point later in life where they're comfortable in where they are and they don't want to give it up. So they want to maintain the status quo, let's keep things going as they are, which is the beginning of the end for them and for the church. That's not how Jesus builds. I believe as God has been speaking to me, he's still calling people to lay down their lives for him. He is worth it, as we sang this morning, if we look at the privilege and not the cost. As we approach a new year, it's often a time for us to take a look. What is my life about? I wanna ask you, are you not your own? Have you been bought with a price? Are you willing to say again, Jesus, I'm yours. If you've never done that, now's the time. But even if you have, we need to be constantly on the front foot. Actually, rather than the front foot, we need to constantly be on our knees and say, God, I'm not my own, I'm yours. I live for your glory. The songs we sang this morning, that's why we have such a focus on Jesus, because he's worthy. There's so much in our culture that wants to make it about us. My comfort, my feelings, my lifestyle, my luxury... And that begins to creep into the church and the message changes from he's worthy to I'm worthy. I'm worthy for him to bless. I'm worthy to experience all the good things. Do we experience good things? Absolutely. But they're a byproduct to laying down our life to serve him. One other story that had an impact on my life. A guy named Paris Reedhead was a missionary in the early 1900s. Also went to the Congo for some reason. It's Congo morning. But after being there for a couple of years, he was frustrated and he began to be angry with God. See, he saw that it had this image of these poor people who didn't know anything, that he was going to go share this good news and change them because they were obviously didn't know the truth. When he found out his complaint to God was that they knew more and chose to reject God. God, you sent me here for these people, and they know the truth, and they've chosen to reject you. He felt deceived because he went there with this with this idea, he said God spoke to him, not with an audible voice, but with a voice that rang through the ages, and said, yes, they are sinners who deserve hell, but I love them. I didn't send you here for their sake. I sent you here for my sake. When we're in love with him, when we pray as we sing, precious Jesus, show me your heart. Everything changes, our focus, our purpose. I believe on this 50th anniversary of an outpouring of the Spirit that impacted hundreds of thousands of young people. God's doing it again. We're going to sing a couple songs. I'm going to ask you, will you choose again to lay down your life for him? We're going to sing, turn your eyes on Jesus, and one name holds right above them all. I'm gonna ask you, would you respond? Would you join me once again in affirming, I'm not my own, I've been bought with a price. Would you join me in affirming once again, whatever things were gained to me, I've counted loss for Christ. Indeed, I count all things loss for the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I will suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. The privilege far outweighs the cost. As we do this, I'm gonna ask you, will you just, Join me in declaring once again. Whatever is comfortable for you, I'm actually going to kneel here at the front. I'm going to encourage you if you want to do that, but you don't have to. You can do it where you are. You can kneel there. You can stand. You can sit. But as we approach a new year, you got a word for it right now? Go ahead. sure that's on, it's not on, it is on, is it on Josh, hello, this morning as we were preparing to come to church our kids packed their bags and our three-year-old said I have to bring my binoculars I said, why? Why are we bringing our binoculars to church? And he said, so that I can see. And it felt really significant at the time, but I just really sense, as Rush shared, it's about seeing with the eyes that God's given us. It's about him opening our eyes this morning to what it is he's showing us. So would you get out your spiritual binoculars this morning? And will you see the things that He has ahead of you? And will you know that they are good as we turn our eyes on Him?